welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. This is the first in a series of three fascinating episodes, all relating to a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. And that is, how do our security practices affect our experience as workers? And this is especially true as we look at the experience of remote workers and those working in a hybrid office. How do enterprises create security practices that will balance our increasingly growing needs for security with end user experience? And they can actually work against each other, as we all know. The increase in security can make it more painful, more difficult to do your job. Well, earlier this month, Mark Pesci, the host of the Next Billion Seconds podcast, sat down with three of our security experts to analyze the results of the latest Unisys Security Index survey. Now, this is the 15th year that Unisys has conducted this survey. It's actually making it the longest running such survey in the industry. And so we've really developed a, a large body of knowledge here around security and how people are reacting to trends in, in the industry and, and trends in the world. Uh, for example, this year, we analyzed how businesses and end users are reacting to the pandemic. And I've broken down Mark's interview into three episodes, each with a specific focus. This first episode today, Mark investigates the gaps that actually exist between what enterprises expect versus what remote workers are actually doing about securing their remote office. And in part two, Mark looks at what enterprises can do to close those gaps, getting remote workers to be more security conscious. And we wrap up the series in part three, looking ahead to the future at some of the trends in security monitoring, uh, the use of AI, the use of biometrics in security, and how to overcome the resistance that exists among some end users to these new security technologies. Well, to get started, let's listen in as Mark interviews Leon Sayers, who leads digital transformation advisory in the Asia Pacific region, about the gap between what enterprises expect end users to do and what end users are actually doing to remain secure while working from home. Hello, I'm Mark Pesci, futurist, inventor, educator, and I've recently taken a deep dive into the data collected for the 2021 Unisys Security Index. Since 2007, Unisys has conducted a global poll about security concerns centered on four domains, national security, personal security, financial security, and internet security. Last year, in the midst of the COVID-19 outbreak, concerns over natural disasters, such as pandemic, overrode everything else. This year, after more than 5 billion vaccinations, we're less worried about our personal security, but a whole lot more worried that we've been living our lives largely online these past 18 months. Over the next half hour, we'll take a tour of the findings within the 2021 Unisys Security Index, a survey of 11,000 adults across 11 countries. What are we worried about and why? We'll speak with three domain experts for their own analysis, and we'll learn from them what this survey can tell us about the world we're living in, what's on our mind, and what's on the road ahead. Our fears mirror our times. In the years following the GFC, personal financial concerns loomed large in the survey results. What does the past tell us about the shape of our current fears and how we might learn to live with them? Well, to find out, we need to look back across the 15 years 
of the Unisys Security Index. In 2008, the Unisys Security Index highlighted a now-forgotten concern. The vast majority of folks surveyed said they did not trust mobile devices for shopping, banking, or anything else finance-related. Just 7% said they would use a mobile to pay bills, bank, or shop online. And today, Nearly 90% of the adult population uses a smartphone. We think nothing of ordering groceries or paying bills or even applying for a mortgage via an app. So how did we cross the chasm from fear to everyday occurrence? Well, part of this lies within a generational shift. Computer pioneer Alan Kay once noted that technology is anything invented after you were born. Everything feels scary when we first encounter it. When we take the measure of a new technology, we cut our own fears down to size, whether that's a biometric scanner at the airport or tap and pay on a smartwatch or making a purchase on our mobiles. And whatever's worrying us today, the Unisys Security Index shows us how our red-hot new normal will quickly cool to just plain normal. We'll get comfortable and leave our fears behind. It's happened before, and it will happen again. But first, let's take a look at what's front of mind. What's worrying us today? To help us understand some of the key findings of the 2021 Unisys Security Index, I'm joined by Unisys Director of Advisory, Asia-Pacific, Leon Sayers. Welcome, Leon. Thanks for having me, Mark. Look forward to the conversation. So what do we mean when we say security? Security in the context of the, the Unisys Security Index is really in the widest sense, pretty much everything that everyone would think about with security. So it looks at the big issues that impact how we behave, how confident we are in what ways we are comfortable in interacting with each other, with business, with government, um, with each other, um, and also the way that we are perceiving people are using data that we are, are sharing or make available. So it's really taking our temperature around our feelings around a range of security. Can you walk us through the security issues that are tracked within the Unisys Security Index? We, we track how concerned consumers are using eight types of issues that span national, financial, personal, and internet security. So first off, we look at national security in relation to war or terrorism. We look at natural disasters such as bushfires, floods, earthquakes, and, and of course, pandemics. We look at bank card fraud, the ability to meet your financial obligations, identity theft, personal safety in the next six months, computer viruses and hacking, as well as the online transactions, e.g. E shopping, banking online, all those sort of standard things. All right. So has this year's report highlighted any changes in how the pandemic has altered the way we live and work? Yeah, it has. We've all become very accustomed to what we're now calling the new normal, which we all fairly well adapted very quickly. We looked at the way that we all interact with each other and collaborate and those sort of things. But we've also looked at how security is done. And some organizations have done better than others. The privacy and data security has become very topical. It's been driven by a combination of the introduction of COVID contact tracing, the QR code scanning, an increasing number of COVID-inspired cyber scams has been pretty big. I mean, a lot of people get phone calls or SMSs um, around COVID or driving people towards things that may be driven because they're pandemic-driven. So 
people ordering online. We've seen a lot of SMS phishing as well as email phishing around people trying to say your Amazon parcel's been delayed, please click the link, those sort of things. And so we've really seen that increase. And the biggie is a rapid shift to work from home where the workplace is extended into the home. So the homes of a lot of workers are now a target, which wasn't the case pre-pandemic. Very few people work from home or a lot of homes weren't the primary target for people trying to get into corporations. All right. So how then was all of this reflected in this year's survey results? So last year, the top concern in Australia and New Zealand was natural disasters. We had bushfires in Australia, earthquakes in New Zealand. But obviously, driven by COVID-19, the numbers are also still up there. But also, we're really starting to look at how that pandemic's influencing people. It's it's really a, a top concern of people. This year, the top three concerns in both countries are privacy, data security related, ID theft, hacking and viruses, and, and the bank card frauds are a large one. So I even had the issue with my son the other day. We had to go and cancel his card because all of a sudden we started seeing some bills coming through that weren't his and they were coming from a, a very weird country. So we are seeing that bank card fraud going up and it, it is impacting people. Just yesterday, I had to have my own bank cancel my own bank card because I was getting charges on a weekly basis in Vietnamese baht, which, you know, and I haven't been doing anything in Vietnam. So bank card fraud is clearly, I guess we all think of it as something that could happen, but it feels like it really is happening. It is, and and it's escalating because people are using them more often. People are, are more freely putting the cards into online shopping, and because people are spending more time doing online sh- shopping or internet surfing and browsing because they've been locked in their houses and not able to go anywhere, um, we're seeing that spike increase even more drastically because people are, are using their cards more frequently on, on various sites. Okay, so Leon... You know, we're using our bank cards because we're at home so much. And this really opens the door to the whole transition to work from home. So let's get stuck into that. The pandemic has meant that there is a new intersection between Internet security and our business practices because it has changed the work environment. None of us are really sure yet how we're going to negotiate this new normal of hybrid and remote working, of endless office Zooms, of connecting via tools rather than in person. It all happened very quickly. Many businesses don't have strong practices in place yet. And some of the practices that they want to introduce, they are getting a lot of resistance from workers. Leon, everything has changed so completely over the last 18 months, but some things about our business business relationships seem to remain stubbornly the same. What is the survey revealing about the trust level between businesses and employees? Well, the the, the survey shows that there is still a lack of trust between, and it's probably exacerbated because people are working from home. The employees feel that they're not trusted by their bosses because they're they're wanting to know more about what their activities are on a day-to-day basis because it's not like in the office where you can a boss could walk around the office and see people at the desks and, and think they're working and that sort of thing. When everyone's scattered and dispersed across the, the, the regions, it's much harder for people to be able to understand what people are actually working on. So workers, have, when they've left their workplace into their home, they're really thinking about now, how do I draw a line between my personal life and my work life, but also how do I protect the privacy of my personal life? So 
my home, my pet kids, all of those sort of things. And I mean, I don't think anyone's been on a Zoom call recently that probably hasn't had a child of someone talking <laughs> or yep. the noise of a child in the background. I mean, that's just, and everyone accepts it now. I mean, if you had done this pre-pandemic, if you had a kid walk in, there would have been uproar about why is your kid on the call, etc. But now with the new pandemic lifestyle that we all live, it's pretty normal now for people to have their kids walk in, say hi to people on the call, and the parent puts themselves on mute, deals with the issue, and the kid walks away and, and everyone's happy, is okay with it. So I think there has been a change in that way, but there's still that tension between employers and employees around that. So the other side of the coin is from an employer perspective, we're looking at ways to monitor remote employees for a variety of reasons, such as security, productivity, to be able to do the proactive IT support that wouldn't even be questioned if we were doing this in the workplace. So if this was being done in an office and people had their webcams on and were using them for biometrics or face recognition and those sort of things, it wouldn't even be thought about. But because people are working from home, it's seen in a different light. Right. And so, I mean, it's that kind of thing where you don't want the government in your bedroom and in a lot of ways you don't want your boss in your bedroom either, right? But there are reasons for that. There are. There are. There's some very good reasons for them. And, and that proactive IT support, the, the removing of passwords and making it seamless for people to log in and those sort of things are, are great areas to go into. And if we start looking at some of the stats in the survey, we saw that six in 10 aren't comfortable with login, logout times being monitored, even though it's similar to being badged in and out and people had no issues with people mm. knowing when they swiped into the office and when they swiped out. People seem to think that the login, logout on the computers when you are logging in and out of applications or your computer itself, tracking that is an issue. But again, swiping in and out of the building. And, and the other thing people forget is bosses have been able to look at your login and logout times <laughs> All the time. It's not something new. This was able to be done pre-pandemic. So we really need to think that through. And it's more about an education thing about we're looking at login and logout times to make sure our IT support teams are available for the hours that people are now working. I mean, mm. everyone's wanting flexible work hours, but how does an employer know when people are working to be able to deliver the IT support? There's no use having a support desk that runs eight till five if majority of people are working now until seven or eight because they take an hour off at three o'clock to go pick the kids up, deal with whatever the kids are, so they're now extending their work life by an hour. So does the employer need to expand that service desk for an extra hour? So they're sort of things that people don't always think about with this. Um, we also, three quarters of the people that were surveyed don't want software response times monitored to receive proactive IT support either, which is strange. The, the whole concept of us monitoring the performance and the, the time it takes to load applications, all those sort of proactive things are ways for employers to make sure that you're getting a great user experience. 82% mm. don't want their webcams used for facial recognition to confirm it's them using their work computer. <laughs> so the, even though we have it on all the time for every Zoom meeting that we're on these days, we don't yeah. want to be recognized. Yeah, pretty much. And the, and the interesting one for me is if you ask them if they use their phone camera to recognize them to, to log into their phone, they're happy to do that. But if you t turn that and say, we're going to use the same technology with either Windows Hello or webcams with another product, there's concern about it. And it's, it's interesting from, an, from a technical perspective of me as an advisor looking at the technology available to people to make their lives easier and better, especially in the work life. 
I, I struggle to understand why some people think it's okay in their consumer world on their phone to do it, but not in their the work environment that's when it's exactly the same. And if anything, the work environment is probably more secure than the consumer platforms they're using on their mobile phones. All right, but you've touched on it right here. Why do we see this gap? What are people afraid of? So people are scared that the information is going to be used for other purposes. All right, so how do we bridge that trust gap then? Because you've clearly outlined reasons for why this is a good thing for both the employer and the employee, but the employee is just basically sitting there feeling like they're under the gaze of Big Brother. How does a company get around that? So they've really got to start to do an education process with their staff. They really need to have a conversation and lead that conversation around why it's happening. So why Mm. do I want to turn your webcam on to validate that it's you? If you explain to the people that the webcam actually isn't taking an image of what's in your room, it's just looking at your facial points of identification to identify that it's you and it's using biometric data, not the actual video feed itself and looking at all the background images and things like that. If you start to have that conversation and explain what the video camera is actually capturing in that point in time and that it is it is a point in time, it's not constantly recording, it's just validating at a set period of time that it is still you at the desk and it's not someone else. Now, it's also about educating both the employer as well that, it, you know what, it's, it's okay that potentially that their kid's going to be sitting at the same desk as, as them. So it's okay that when they're looking at this, that there's a two-way feedback and conversation around, you know what, yes, it's going to validate that I'm at my desk, but it also needs to ignore that my child's sitting next to me because I'm homeschooling them. So th- there are some conversations that need to be had there. But it is a balancing act, but there does need to be a fairly significant cultural change in both the way the employers are, are working and engaging with their staff, but also the way their staff are engaging with their employers. And they really need to understand the difference between working in an office and working from home and that there, there does have to be some give and take in both directions. And that, you know, the helicopter style of management, as you pointed to, where the manager is constantly sort of walking around to make sure everyone is busy, whether they're working or not is another matter, but they're certainly looking busy, that that style of management doesn't really translate well when you're talking about remote or hybrid working styles. No, it it doesn't. So it's really going to be an interesting change. And I mean, the pandemic has accelerated something that people have been talking about for, for at least half a decade around flexible working hours, people working from home. I mean, a lot of people in organisations that were selective around who did it, but the pandemic drove everyone into it and now everyone's looking at the benefits, the lifestyle changes. And as we look at what's changed for the employees, the employers are just as drastically going to have to change. And it is a balancing act as well around as an employer and as a boss, where is the boundaries now? Where are the boundaries around privacy and security? Where are the boundaries about asking people how they are interacting with people's families? I mean, in the workplace, if a child walked, your child walked into the office, it was pretty rare, and it was normally kid was sick and had to come to work with mum or dad because they had no one else or something. So it was a rare occasion. But in in the current world, do you embrace that? So if a child does walk into a Zoom call, is it okay for everyone to say hello to the child and interact with the child, or is it? really not appropriate for the people on the Zoom call to interact with the child. I mean, they're just some of the changes that we're seeing and different organisations have different stances on it. So as an employer and and boss needs to be done as well. But it's also about how do you draw the lines around our lives today? Mm. Um, the technology in our home, 
it was given to us for one purpose. There's new purposes. So, so how do we really drive that forward? I mean, COVID, if you look at it, it's been the biggest social experiment on the planet. I think even if we've you've looked at some of the news feeds, I mean, we've had news presenters midway through a presentation, their kids walk into the room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that was one of the, the highest hits video clips, I think, on YouTube for, for a period of time. But they're the sorts of things that people are starting to see, that people aren't afraid to know that everyone is, is real. They have the same challenges and, and have to deal with the same things. But it, I guess it's about how we embrace those changes and move that forward. And it sounds like, the start of embracing those changes begins with a conversation between the employer and the employee about how each works to keep the other safe. Leon, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Well, that was Mark Pesci of the Next Billion Seconds podcast and Leon Sayers of Unisys sharing some interesting insights that the latest Unisys Security Index survey has revealed about the gap between what enterprises believe is happening and what end users are actually doing to keep their remote hybrid office secure. Look for parts two and three of this series where Mark reveals what enterprises can do to overcome this gap. And then in part three, taking a look at the future, what are some of the new security technologies and how will they be used to enable the hybrid office? This is the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening.